We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack a Day podcast. It is another weekend. It's another Saturday. I am Jason Perrone, along with my full team of co-hosts today, Mark Eckel and Paul Brettel. Mark, welcome back. It's been a minute. Yeah, so last week a little little uh, mishap. We're okay now. We're 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 good to go. Back in the saddle. Life happens. Life happens. Sort of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And. Paul, we keep inching, I'm assuming, we keep inching towards 80 degrees. And actually, you had a couple hot days recently, right, up in Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. Summers still get humid up here. I know it's not the same as what you guys are used to, but it gets, the, the humidity takes care of all that. Oh, we got a, yeah, we have a little, <laughs> we get a little bit of a break uh, today. It's only going to be 102 degrees, so that's a nice little oh, break oh. for me. Yeah, nice, 102. So, dry, uh, dry heat. Yeah, it's a dry heat, exactly. So we're going to try to follow up. So Friday's show was a good one. It was an interview with Alan Lazard, which if you haven't checked it out, the guys uh, joined by Jimmy Christensen on Friday had a chance to talk with Alan Lazard, which was really cool. We're going to kind of continue uh, one of our, our other topics and each share our most intriguing Packers heading into the 2020 season. So we've agreed we're each, each going to do one on offense and defense. So what do you say we lead off on – why don't we lead off on defense? And, Mark, since you weren't here last week and you didn't get a chance to, to share your wisdom with us, why don't you lead us off? So who is your most intriguing defensive player for the Packers coming into the 2020 season? Okay, well, well let me start by saying my, we, we probably all have our own 
idea of what intriguing to me intri- to, the way I look at it at an intriguing player and both of my guys will fit in this category one is they they could become a key figure in the Packers winning the NFC North or they might get cut in training camp and we'll never hear from them again mm-hmm. it, 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 that's the that's how I'm looking at this and, and and this guy does intrigue me and it's Gerald Willis some fans might not even know because he was a a, a waiver claim just prior to the draft. Uh, it was cut by the Dolphins. Uh, the, the, there was two guys cut by the Dolphins. The Packers claimed them both. He was one of them. And I mentioned this guy a couple weeks ago when we were talking about, I don't know what we were talking about, but I mentioned him. This guy was really good. I mean, he, he had a lot of off-the-field problems in college. He started off at the University of Florida, left and went, ended up at my, Miami. He had a monster senior year at Miami. Um, 18 tackles for a loss. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's what the Packers kind of need up front, and that he can stop the run. He's a guy that can, um, you know, 18 tackles for, for loss kind of kind of tells you all, all, all you need to know about how, how good he is against the run. Um, he's had some, like I said, he's had some off-the-field issues. He's finally, if he finally puts his act together, um, he could be a guy that, you know, and I, I, and I found it interesting that they, they signed him just prior to the draft and then didn't draft a, a defensive, you know, an interior de- defensive lineman. So maybe they looked at it as, this is the guy we drafted. This, you know, this was our mid-round pick that we were going to spend on a defensive lineman. So that, that, that's my guy, Gerald Willis, University yeah. of Miami, cut by the Dolphins, you know, getting a second chance. Maybe, he, you know, maybe that, that humbles him a bit that he, that he was released. Um, we'll see. Wow, that's a good one. That's a really good one. That's why I like doing this one because it's, it is. There's different definitions of what intriguing is, and, and it's easy to forget about some of those guys because they haven't played for the team, and, and so you think about who are the, who's in the rotation. We all know about Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, for example. You know, if you want to throw Rashad Gary into that mix there as a, as a defensive lineman, but they obviously are going to need some, some help up front. My only take on a guy like that is, without ever having seen him play a snap, is Yes, the off-the-field stuff, eh, it, he could reel it in. It, it could have just been kind of a one-off. My take on that is usually if there's off-the-field problems, they're, they're likely to continue. Some people just have a certain lifestyle, and look, everyone's, yeah. everyone's different that way. But he, to me, that, that's the biggest thing. I think, I think you, you said it yourself, Mark. If he's available and he's, he plays well, you almost think about a, a guy like a Latroy Guyon. When Latroy Guyon yeah. was playing really well, none of us cared about his off-the-field problems. He was really, really good. But he had a few off-the-field problems, and it was a distraction, and there were certain issues that, that also brought into the fold. But that's, that's a really good one. I like that one, well, Paul. What I'm hoping about, what, one more thing on, on him. What I'm hoping is, you know, played it to you, right? Then he, get, then he goes to the Dolphins. He's still in Miami. Maybe getting out of Florida, getting out of Miami, getting out of Florida, going up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's a different kind of lifestyle. Maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs to be in a smaller city more, you know, maybe get a guy like Zadarius Smith or, or Kenny Clark, you know, two guys that are pretty upstanding, you know, guys to, to, to straighten them out. I mean, who knows? Again, if the kid's a bad kid, he's a bad kid, and he's going to get, get cut, you know, be, before the roster set. But there's, there's ability there. There's obviously some, some talent and kind of what the – and he, what he does well, the Packers need a guy to do well. That's not the room. Yeah, he's 100 – well, Green Bay 180 degrees different from, from Florida for South sure. And that's, that's a good – yeah, that's a really good that's a really good point. Paul, any, any, what do you know about Gerald Willis? Um, I, like Mark said, there's a lot of upside with him. He, last year was his first year, and he bounced around between Baltimore and Miami. But during the pre-draft process um, leading up to the draft – there were some NFL scouts that had him with a third or fourth round grade. Right. So as far as the pedigree and the talent, it's certainly there. And coming up to Green Bay where, you know, the defensive line after Kenny Clark, 
you know, there, there's room, you know, there's opportunities for snaps to be taken. You know, Dean Lowry's fine. Tyler Lancaster's played well, but in limited doses. Um, you know, we hope Kingsley Kiki takes a step forward. But this training camp in preseason, he's going to have the opportunity to make some noise and assert himself into that rotation as a run defender, which they definitely need help with, and he has that pedigree. Yeah, no doubt. Well, he's that's probably one of the definitions of intriguing because you have no <laughs> idea which, which direction he's going to yeah. go. So Mark, you, Mark wins the Webster's Dictionary <laughs> player choice. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that yet because, Paul, we don't know who, who, your, yeah, who your defensive guy is. So we'll, we'll move it over to Paul. Who you got? All right. So for me, intriguing is someone that I'm particularly interested in seeing because they could, like Mark said, they could have a – I could see them having a substantial impact – but there's also the possibility that, that that they don't as well. Now, the two guys that I have, I don't see them as cut candidates, but I think there is that fluctuation between being a big contributor and being someone who sits on the sidelines. So for the defensive side of the ball, I'm going with Kadar Holman. Um, I know I've talked about him before on this show, but he's one of my favorite guys heading into the summer. So starting with just the cornerback depth in general, we know Kevin King, Jair Alexander are probably going to be the guys on the outside. You know, unless for you know they get some opportunities in the slot, uh, Channon Sullivan looks like the slot corner, but he'll can be competing with Josh Jackson. But there's just a lack of experience and well, just overall depth on the roster at that position. And Kadar Holman coming out of Toledo, he has plenty of press man experience, and that was one of the things last summer. That ability caught the eye of both Matt Lafleur and Mike Patton. Um, super athlete, ran a four three eight forty. If you pay attention to the rel- relative athletic score, nine point two three. So he's an elite athlete, and he's just an intense player. He challenges receivers really well at the line of scrimmage. He's a physical player. Um, and last summer he, in camp, you know, he wasn't just making this noise against the the JV squad. Uh, you know, I'll use that term for example. He was going up against the ones daily, and we saw that carry over to the preseason as well. Now last year for him was basically a redshirt season he's only on the field for four defensive snaps so I think that that um, you know that'll help him adjust to the speed of the NFL level and then having just that full year in Mike Pettin's defensive system I think there's the opportunity for him to see some significant playing time this year um, like I said coupled with the, the the lack of depth at the cornerback position and just what he brings and how well I think that he fits within Pettin's defensive scheme yeah I, I like Hallman, we've talked about him before. You know, he's he's definitely one. Wow, we're doing good. I hope I hope I don't I hope I round it out well. But this this was a good one. But we we talked about him. I know he's got some leadership pedigree, and his coaches in college talked very highly about him. And until it translates on the field, some of that stuff's a nice story, but we you know yet to be seen. But you have to wonder, Mark. We Mark, you were on when we talked about Hallman too. You have to wonder if if. Part of the reason why the Packers didn't address corner as aggressively as they potentially could have was because they see potential in guys like. Him. Yeah, that, you know it's funny. Um, that was my second choice. I, I like Holman a lot. As he does intrigue me, as as we as we're talking in, in, intriguing. And it's funny that Paul mentioned. You know, I um, I was talking. I'm, I'm, I I do some stories for the NFL player site, and I'm I'm doing a bunch of stories now on players um, who are coaching now like former players that became coaches, and one of them is Hank Poteet. I don't know if you guys re- remember him. Uh, played early on with the Steelers and went to the Patriots, uh, ended up with the Browns. Uh, pretty good, pretty solid cornerback for, for a long, long time. He's, he's now the D-backs coach at T- Toledo. So I was doing his, you know, I'm talking to him about him, and, you know, about himself and his career and how he became a coach, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I had to mention Holman to him, right? I was like, hey, you, you coach, you know, 
Oh yeah, that's my guy. He said, and um, he loves him. He, he, he loves him, and he, and he he told me something very interesting. He said, because I said to him, I said, do you think? I said, you know, you played in the league ten years, you played corner. Does this kid have what it takes to to play corner in the NFL? He said, absolutely. He said, I've I've talked to two or three friends of mine who are defensive backs coaches in the NFL, and they both told me they they wish they had him because he would start for them. Wow, and then you add in your your friend Jerry Gray. Now you weren't with us last week when we talked. <laughs> well, well, you I weren't don't with know Jerry Gray. We're not friends. I just admire him. Well, I I know that you. Well, I mean, I I just I <laughs> say I, I, I guess I say that to, more in terms of just you've you've had an up and closer look at some of his work. You weren't with right. us last week when we talked about some of the stuff that he said in his press conference. But outside of that. Mark, this is a perfect example of a time when you benefit from having a coach like that who's a former player, and he he's, seems to be a player's coach with a guy like Holman. And look at some of the corners that the Packers have had huge success with that weren't even drafted. So if you want to talk about Holman being drafted late, Tremont Williams and Sam Shields were undrafted free agents who played really well and a long time in Green Bay. No, absolutely. Holman's good. I, I think I'm – I guess that – and 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 Petit didn't like. I didn't tell him I'm doing. Hey, I'm doing a story for Packer Packer Report. I mean, I'm talking about him in the NFL. And I just in small talk, I mentioned, oh yeah, you you had a kid drafted last year. Holman went to Green Bay, and he just went off like, oh, this kid's going to be something. He really loves him. And you know, like I said, P- Petit played ten years in the NFL. You know, you guys know his story too. I mean, he was he wasn't even a not only wasn't he a scholarship player when he when he went to college, he had to try out to walk on. That's, oh yeah. That's that's rare. I mean, most of those guys like he had to he went to Toledo as a, and then asked if he could try out to be a walk on, and then he looked at him, okay, you could be a walk on, and then by his sophomore year he had played, you know, he, he showed enough that they gave him a scholarship. So as as Hank Poti said to me, you know, you know this kid's all this kid has a chip on his shoulder, and he plays that way. And I think as a corner, that's one position you kind of want a chip on your shoulder is is a you know being a a man-to-man corner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have some competition, but the Packers have they have an interesting situation at corner. So to round off the list, I'm staying in that position group, and I've got for me intriguing is a guy that may be back, may not be back this year, could be a make or break, or the team may have already decided what they're gonna do with him. So my my guy is Kevin King. I cornerback Kevin King is my most intriguing player, just because. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, he finally played a a full season, and of course he, he's healthy and is he has a good year. His, his interceptions went from one to five, and he we've talked about it many times before. If he could catch a football, he probably could have had seven or eight interceptions. He was credited with 15 passes defended last year. Previous career high was five. Now again, in his first two seasons, he didn't stay healthy, so of course his numbers are going to be low. So he was. He was ninth in the league in passes defended last year as a corner. And I kind of talked about how the Packers didn't address corner in the draft, despite the fact that you've got Kevin King's contract expiring after this 2020 season. So they're counting on something. They're either counting on going hard after cornerback next off season, which is an, an unknown, especially since we don't know what the salary cap situation is going to be, or they're very confident that they're going to be able to address it in the draft, which is which is a huge crapshoot. So they've got Jair Alexander, Shannon Sullivan, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, Kavian Ento, Stanford Samuels, and a few other undrafted free agents. Tremont Williams isn't back. He may not come back. I know a lot of people are kind of hoping that, okay, they'll add Tremont right before training camp. He's a veteran. 
They don't like doing camp. He'll probably wait to sign late. I don't know if they're going to bring Tremont back or not. And then Shannon Sullivan's contract is also up after 2020. And right now, we've talked about it, he's penciled in as, as a prime candidate for that nickel spot if he can grab that in training camp and earn himself some more playing time. So with Brian Gutekunst's approach to the draft, it's, it seems like it's just a question each year. We just still don't know exactly what he's going to do. We don't have that much of a sample size to know whether King is playing for another deal in Green Bay or not. I mean, they've got, they also have a lot of other guys to, to extend, and we've talked about that a lot, all the different players whose contracts are up and in what order they're going to get addressed and how they're going to get paid. Uh, at least one of the running backs is probably out between Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, I'd have to think. Um, and if you want to look at some free agents in 2021, just a few names to throw out there now, and it'll change. There'll be more as, as time goes on. But Ronald Darby, Mackenzie Alexander, <laughs> Vernon Hargraves are just yeah. a few names that people know, not necessarily players that fit or that are still good or that are going to be good. So, you know, I mean, draft's another possibility. Rookies are not as, as sure, but to me – like Mark, I heard the sound effects, and I'd have to say I, I'm not I'm not overly enamored by that group either. So it's really interesting to me that Kevin King is is still sitting out there potentially playing for his next contract. I would I think we've talked I think we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts. King's a guy that I would get done now um, because of the I, I think you could get him. I mean, in, in ranking him, he's probably fourth among. He's obviously the fourth. Priority. Um, yeah. I mean, well, fourth best player among Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and, and, and Kenny Clark. I mean, those three guys, at least two of them, I, I consider superstars, and the other one could become one. King's a, I think King's a good, solid player at a position that's hard to find. Um, so I, would, I, I, I wrote this, that if I'm the Packers, I'm going to King now. And, again, I don't, I don't know his agent and what his agent's thinking, but he can't, Kevin King can't demand a huge salary today. He really can't. His, his body of work, it, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. he's been injured. And he, and then here's a guy that knows he's been injured. Does he want to take a chance? Because if he gets injured this year, if he misses half a season or even five, six games, nobody's going to give him a lot. Of, people don't pay guys that get hurt a lot. They just don't because they don't. I mean, for right, and rightfully so. So if I'm the Packers and I'm Kevin King, I think I can get a, a fair deal done between now and the end of the end of the season, maybe even between now and, and the start of the season. Um, and I, I and I kind of hope that that's what both sides are are looking at because I really like Kevin King. I think again, I don't think he'll ever be a superstar, but I think he can be a good, solid number two corner. And and then again, they're not easy to find. They don't fall off trees. No, they don't. And the the risk the Packers run by not doing what you're suggesting, Mark, is if King goes out and has another really good season this year. Yep. Now you you just price yourself out because you've got, I mean, look, Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari are two assumingly given guys, and now you've just Mm -hmm. added another, you created a, you know, a big need for yourself because you don't have the cornerback room. If there's an injury or something else happens this season, there's just a lot of question marks. Paul, I know we've talked a little bit about King before, but what's your, your latest thoughts uh, do you agree with Mark? Do you think he sh- they, the Packers should move him up that priority list? You know, I hadn't really thought about that until Mark said it, but it does make sense because, like you said, if you know he comes out and has another season like he did um, in 2019, he's going to he's going to be you know come with a hefty price tag. And in terms of priority, we know Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari are going to be before him. And looking at you know their projected 2020 
2021 salary cap space there just isn't going to be a lot of um, spending power again like this year but also you have to look at the flip side and things something that I need to see from King or we all need to see from King again is can he be healthy because the first two seasons I believe he played in only 15 of the 32 games and last year he was I think he just missed one and like we said he played he played excellent but we need to see that from him again yeah, the health is important. It's, you know, the best ability is availability. I think I've said that on three straight shows now. So it's like I've got a streak to protect here. But but it's true, and that's one of the reasons why that, that's one of the two biggest reasons for King was can he stay healthy and then he's not signed. I'm intrigued as to why you wouldn't wouldn't address corner and, and sign a guy who's been solid for you for a while. But, again, you know, the Packers probably have their plan in place, their succession plans for different positions, and they know they can only do so much with – the money that they have to spend. So, all right. So on defense, we also had... also let me just say one thing before we go to the other side. Keep in mind this this has been an all season like none other. Right. I mean, it's a, you know the players aren't around, the coaches aren't. I, I think things may have been you know because if you look around, a lot of there's nobody like no team is making after the draft. There's been no news from any other than little minor you know minor stuff. But I mean. Uh, nobody's gotten signed. Like, look at all the running backs that are free agents, and none of them are, have, have gotten contract extensions yet. I mean, I, I think teams are, and rightfully so, are, are more concerned about is there going to be a season and how are we going to do this, how are we going to do do that? And then, you know, getting guys signed, the contracts will come once they get everybody back in the building and once things get somewhat back to them. I don't even want to use the word normal because I don't think anything will ever be what we know as normal again. Um, but I think once... This is a, this season is not this off season is not something that you could look at with open eyes and say oh well they're not doing this well they're not doing a lot of things because it's it's just a, it's the craziest year ever yeah and there was there was actually some talk about uh, I think Peter Bukowski on Locked On spent some a decent portion of one of his shows uh, earlier this week talking about Jordan Love and how some of the younger players around the NFL are going to be impacted by that Paul I'm sure you echo that too I mean this this we're gonna we're going to find out a lot about what this in virtual environment has done for some of these younger players and maybe even some of the other other players who need structure to get in shape and just to stay in, in game shape. And I'm talking about maybe some younger players who have a couple years' experience under their belt or maybe might even regress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the rookies in general are going to have a, a – they're just going to get off to a slower start. That's just, you know, the matter of fact with that. And some of the first, second-year guys, too, are still younger and learning the system. It might be a little more difficult for them. And we're going to find out who, you know, who are the guys that can self-motivate and work on their own because that's what this offseason has been up to this point without having the coaches around them. Or how well do you take instruction over the computer? Um, and one other thing I wanted to add on Kevin King and just the cornerback position in general, this is a really big season for the cornerback position because like we just talked about with King, there's the uncertainty around him. We hope Chandon Sullivan um, can build upon last season, but we don't know that for fact either. He wasn't a full-time starter. How will he play as a full-time starter this year, assuming that happens? Josh Jackson's still a question mark. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Kadar Holman, but still an unknown, and then a lot of um, other young guys on the roster as well. So there's a potential that they go into this next offseason with a lot of question marks around that position, and it's a position that they've invested a lot of draft capital in. I mean, Kevin King's a second-rounder. Jackson's a second-rounder. Jair's a first-rounder. Um, and so it could be in 2021 going into that offseason free agency in the draft. There's, is cornerback going to be a big need for them again? Well, how's, uh, how's Quentin Rollins play? Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Josh Jackson was – I considered Jackson as, as – he was my runner-up 
so I was obviously thinking corner all the way in this particular on on defense uh, because he's another one where uh, where we'll find out is it is his draft stature going to save him or or not because they spent you know I mean he was a guy that I mistakenly mocked when you know back when I was with Cheesehead TV and we were doing the the mocks I had Josh Jackson as my my first round guy that I thought Green Bay would take in round one and obviously that turned out to be very incorrect they got him in round two which I was very excited about because then I'm like they got Jair they got Josh Jackson and it was a little bit of a flashback Mark to your point about Quentin Rollins it was a little bit of a flashback to 2015 where we thought hey they got you know, Quentin Rollins, they got Demarius Randall. Like, they're going to be set a corner for a while, and neither of those guys are on the roster. Yeah, and Rollins, like you – or, no, I'm sorry, Jackson, I'm with you. I didn't I didn't have the Packers taking him in the first round. I forget who I had the Packers taking that, that year. But I did have him in the first round. I mean, I was the, – the scouts that – I think – was I still writing for NJ.com then? I think I was. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I was. I was doing draft stuff for him. So I, I talked to a few scouts. I remember one scout in particular – Telling me he's, you know, he was sold on him. He, his kid's going to be a good, solid player. He makes plays. He's smart. He's this. He's that. You know, he's definitely a first round pick. He's, you know, he's he's going to be a good one. And no one did of the many scouts I talked to. No one gave him a bad grade. Like no one said to me, "Nah, that kid's overrated," or "Nah, he's, you know, he's this, he's that." One mentioned he wasn't crazy about his speed, but thought, "Okay, you know, you can get by if if, if your other guy is fast. You can put him on the bigger, stronger guy, and he'll handle himself well." No one said a bad word about him, so that's why I thought I'm, I'm with you. I had him, I had him as a first round pick, and when he and when he fell to the second, the Packers took him. I was, I was like, "You, hey, you just you just got a first round pick in the second round." So I don't know. Again, I'm going to go back to my good buddy Jerry Gray and uh, hope he can get the best out of him. Because again, there's there is ability there. Yeah, he, I think he I well at Iowa. Yeah, I I have to hope. I mean, and, and again, what happened between the swagger and what we saw in a, it's preseason? But for a rookie to play well in preseason is still playing up against some NFL talent. And he did so well that preseason, and he has the big special teams play early in the season against the Vikings, and then he just fell off the face of the earth. Now he has looked really bad in coverage at times. Um, I know Jackson wasn't on either of our lists, so we're kind of talking about him. He looked really bad in coverage at times, and there was a lot of talk about, do they move him inside instead? Do they move him to mm-hmm. safety and, and some of those those other things? Um, I Obviously, they, they, li- they like him as a corner, and I think I think having Jerry Gray is, is going to be helpful. Paul, what's your thought on, on Josh Jackson while we're on the subject here? Are you more inclined to think he's going to do well this season or not? Um, I'm leaning towards doing well. You know, what I guess well represents to me, it's just more playing time and, you know, better coverage abilities than what he's shown. I don't necessarily mean that he's going to, you know, emerge as, you know, the second cornerback on this team behind Jair. But I think, but his rookie season, he saw a lot of action and he took some lumps, but he had some success as well, which is to be expected from a rookie, um, especially making the transition from the heavy zone scheme in Iowa to Mike Pettin's system. But last summer, that injury, I think, really just derailed him and set him back. You know, it happened early on in training camp, and then from there he just started tumbling down the depth chart, and he never had the opportunity to see the field um, with guys that had passed him in camp. They played well. They didn't really have many injuries in the secondary. And so I think that was a factor as well. So I know it's going to be a little shortened in a unique offseason, which I hope doesn't um, hurt his growth. But if he can come out healthy, get those reps in, um, I think that there's definitely the possibility that we see him take a step forward this year, which he certainly needs to do at this point. It's year three. Yeah, we'll find out what's between his ears. I've talked about that before, and that's a lot of what I think helps players make a jump from year one to two, two to three. So we'll find out. But let's move to the offensive side of the ball. 
and our intriguing players on offense. Uh, I guess we'll we'll flip it around this time. Paul, do you want to lead us off on your most intriguing offensive Packer in 2020? Yes, I will. I'm going to go with Equinemius St. Brown, and I know that that might be a popular pick, whether amongst our group or just Packer fans in general, but I'm really intrigued to see what he does. We know that he's got QB1 in his corner, which, as we've seen in the past, is already a huge step in the yep. right direction. During his rookie season, Rodgers talked highly of him. Um, last year, during the preseason, before he got injured, uh, injured Rodgers spoke highly of him once again. And we'd obviously, we don't have last year to go off of, but he's given them that big play threat during his rookie year. In 12 games, he got 21 passes, averaged nearly 16 yards a catch. And out of those 21 receptions, five of them went for 20-plus yards. He also had two games of 89 yards and 94 yards. And where I think that he can carve out a niche in this offense this year is in the slot. And with the Fleur system and the versatility that they have amongst the receiver position, along with the tight ends being able to play in the slot, um, Aaron Jones as well, I don't necessarily think that we're going to see one guy as the prototypical slot receiver, you know, like we did when Randall Cobb was here. But I think that this is a spot that EQ can carve out a niche. He's got the big frame, 6'5", 215, um, solid route runner. Uh, proven pass catcher and he has that playmaking ability with the ball in his hand so I'm intrigued to see how this preseason goes for him uh, we know that there are probably going to be less receivers on the field this year at times we're not going to see the, the typical four wide five wide that we're used to in the Roger years so he's going to have to prove that he can be on the field as the second or third guy but I think he has a real possibility of carving himself out a spot in the slot this year this is another Excellent pick for intriguing, Mark. I'm sure you probably agree because he missed all of last season and he flashed a little bit in 2018. Yep, that's that's a, that's a good definition or my definition of intriguing because, like Paul said, we don't you know he had you saw signs of a rookie uh, of of him being a player in his rookie year. Then he hurts his ankle, which you know when it happened, I never I never ever thought he was going to miss the entire season. You know, I thought okay, he's you know he hurt his ankle, he'll he'll be out. Maybe they'll put him on that. The, the designated to return into reserve, and he'll be back in six to eight weeks. No, they just put him on flat-out injured, injured reserve. Actually, they put him on the day before the roster cuts, so he couldn't come back even if, you know, whatever. So that that kind of in, intrigues me as well. So I guess the injury was a lot worse than just a normal, you know, ankle injury. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping he's healthy from from that as well, but that intrigues me how his health is. Because, yeah, like like Paul said, he's a, he's a playmaker. He's a guy that can make plays. He made him in college again. You know, we saw him at Notre Dame. He, he was a pretty good player there. Uh, went lower in the draft for some reason. He was another guy that was a lot of people thought was had like you know third round possibility. And the Packers got him what in the sixth round. So I mean that was a good value pick. Um, and there's certainly opportunity. I mean that that's good. That's my most intriguing position <laughs> is wide receiver because after Devontae Adams, you got Lazard, Funches, Saint Brown. MVS, the kid from Canada, Begelton. Am I saying that name right? Begelton. Begelton, whatever he is. Yeah, the kid from, I, I'm just going to call him the kid from Canada. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of guys that are going to be, and they, all of them, again, could be very good or not make the team. Yeah, well, I'm never. I, I, I mean, look, Lazard and Funches. You don't know. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. That, that's one position I can't wait to watch during you know preseason and camp and all that. Speaking of Canada, I will never forgive Winnipeg for blowing up Equinemius St. Brown's ankle. So yeah. that 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 was such a fiasco. That field that they, they had never, to alter. Never played that. Game. Never played it. No, they definitely shouldn't have. But no, or, should, or, or played it, or should have played it at Lambeau. 
Right. Well, every game should be, if you ask me. But, <laughs> but Paul, I mean, that's that's a good one. I, you know, kudos to to the numbers and the stats there. I think Equinemius St. Brown absolutely the bill of intriguing. But I think the sentiment amongst Packers fans and what I've heard about him so far is that everyone's pulling for him. Obviously, Packers fans want to see him do well because it helps the team do well. But he, I mean, he had a really, you know, he had a big catch against the 49ers in that Monday night game. I was at that game. He had a big catch against the Jets. It just seemed like when he showed up, it was it was really big. He's not putting up ten catches a game and and you know that type of of a deal. But quality over quantity is there for him for sure. So definitely a good one, Mark. Who is your offensive most intriguing twenty twenty Green Bay Packer? All right, again using the word in, intriguing, and I'm, I'm intrigued by this guy because I didn't think he was going to be on the, be on the team at this. As we're talking today, what was today, June 18th, 19th, whatever it is, I thought he'd be gone. He's here, and he might start somewhere. Is Lane Taylor? Um, we all thought he was either getting cut, traded, something. Instead, he did the Packers a big favor. Well, they, you know, whatever, um, took a took a, a pay cut to stay on the team. And I'm telling you, I he was a you know he wasn't you know he's not a Pro Bowl player. He's he's not a star. He was a pretty solid left guard for for a couple of years. Uh, you know, Packers won some games, a lot of games with, with him playing guard. It wouldn't, it would not shock me at all if he beats out Billy Turner for the right guard spot. Would not, would not. I mean, and, and again, he's a guy I thought wasn't going to be on the team. I thought they were going to trade him. I thought they'd trade him during the draft and get a middle round pick or trade him in a pick to move up, whatever. Um, but here he is back, and he's going to be on the team because he didn't take a pay cut. You can't ask a guy to get a pay, take a pay cut and, and then cut him. That's that's not what good organizations do. Um, so he's going to be on the team. He's either going to be the, the you know the number one backup or or like I said, I would I wouldn't be surprised at all if he beats out Billy Turner. I actually uh, wrote about that earlier this week that I don't think it's a given that Turner's going to be the starting right guard because if we look at Taylor's. 2018 season when he was healthy and starting and Turner's 2019 season you know whether it's pro football focus grading system um, Andy's grading system um, for what he does at Packer Report and going through each play you know sacks hits hurries all that given up Taylor had the better season and Taylor's 2018 season compared to his 16 and 17 season was a down season for him if that makes sense but compared to Turner's it was slightly better you know, or depending on which metric you look at, and by Andy's, it was significantly better. So I don't think that it's necessarily a given, like Mark said, that Turner's just going to be the starter. Taylor took a salary cut. He's relegated to backup duty. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's open competition. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, and if it the context is important, well, we weren't in the room when they signed Billy Turner, so I don't know what their their best case scenario was for what he was going to be. If he was supposed to be a starter, if they were okay with him being a swing tackle, and hey, that's just the cost of a veteran guard at this point, and, the, and that's how why they spent the money they did on him, or if they had visions of him kicking out and being a tackle when Brian Bulaga didn't return, which ended up being there, obviously ended up being their long-term plan. So there's some context there, but if Lane Taylor beats Billy Turner out, anytime a, you know, a, a player unseats another player, at least you know that the team is evaluating it and they're putting the best guy out there and he played very like you guys said he played very solidly for the the team for a long time after Josh Sitton moved on and he was part of some very successful teams he was a big part of the 2016 run the table and you know I mean no one had any issues with Lane Taylor until you know he he struggled a little bit in a, in a couple games and, and the offensive line it's it's a, a thankless job because you don't get the accolades 
you don't get the big stats, and the only time your name gets called is when you screw up. You know, I was I listened to all these these pontification shows lately talking about who's going to be the NFL MVP, who's going to be the, the team MVP for all 32 teams, and never is it ever con- a consideration that it could be an offensive lineman. You know, so oh, these, right. so these guys don't get a lot of a lot of credit and a lot of accolades there. But I don't think that would be the worst thing to have really? to have Lane Taylor in the mix there, and then Billy Turner becomes. A, a swing guy, or maybe maybe Turner then kicks out and he beats out Rick Wagner at right tackle. And I don't know that I'd necessarily right now today. I don't know that that swap makes me feel any better about right tackle. I know we're all kind of nervous about that, but you know that could prove to be beneficial in in many other ways. A good trickle down effect. I mean, hey, look, they hit on Elton Jenkins, and I th- I said I think they've got options there with Jenkins. It might be worth them looking at if. You know, it would tip off a lot about what they're planning on doing at center, but if they move Jenkins into center at training camp just to try out that combination and to get Turner and Taylor both on the offensive line at the same time, who knows? I mean, I think I think that's that's another good one for, for intriguing. My guy. Well, let me, ask, let me ask both of you guys just one more thing on, on Taylor because what made him intriguing to me was I didn't think he, I didn't think on June when, – what is today's date? I don't even know what day it is anymore. 19th? Uh, 19th, yeah. Okay. I If you – I would have bet both of you guys big money on April 9th that Lane Taylor would not be on the Packer roster on June 9th. Would either of you have taken that bet? No, I'm 100% with you. I didn't think yeah. he'd be yeah. here. No. And the, the move that the Packers made to be able to keep Taylor but also save a little bit of cash space, yeah. that was just a brilliant move. I mean, that's, really what, the good or, that's what the good organizations do. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, ab- no, us, no absolutely. Absolutely. So to round it off, uh, we, guys, kudos. We had no repeats. On our list. So my intriguing offensive player is running back Jamal Williams. Reason why is because, much like Kevin King, he's another guy that we, a lot of us people assume Williams is out the door after 2020 just based on contracts and running backs and their opinions of whether you pay him or not. I don't know. I think Jamal Williams could be back or not. You know, it, it won't surprise me either way. It, it would bum me out because he's one of the good guys and, and one of those, those, I'll call them characters, not in a, in a negative way, but characters on the team that – has a personality that you just kind of take to and that you like to be around. It seems like he's a very positive guy and infectious to be around. But from a number standpoint, if you look at the averages over the few years he's been with the team, you're going to get 500. You're going to get about 500 rushing yards and 250 receiving yards a season with Williams. Uh, last year, he um, he caught five touchdowns. He, he um, ran for one. You know, in, in the Matt Lafleur offense where the running back has to catch the ball. That's not a bad thing because Jamal Williams proved to be pre, proved to be decent in the passing game, and he can block. You know, he's a, he's a smart player. You got to be smart back there, and you you got to know how to block and and pick up blitzes. Now, here's one thing that a lot of people may not know about Jamal Williams: he has zero fumbles in his NFL career. He's never put the ball on the ground, and he's only missed two games over the course of his career. And he plays a decent amount. So for three seasons worth of work, zero times putting the ball on the ground. That's something that you have to kind of take into consideration. Now, I mean, he, he and Williams, or he and uh, Aaron Jones have been carrying the load. We know Jones is very dynamic. I think Williams is more of a power runner. AJ Dillon wasn't drafted in the second round for no reason, so maybe the maybe the the you know the writing is already on the wall for Williams. It's not likely that that both Jones and Williams are going to be back after 2020. It's fair to wonder if either of them will come back at all. So you know the the long term value just isn't there. We've talked about it on our show for running back. So. It's it's fair to think the Packers may look for value if they think they can get something um, versus keeping either one of these guys. So it wouldn't it wouldn't make a lot of sense to 
you know, to move Aaron Jones and then remove what he offers for two backs in Williams and Dillon. So that that's why I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. Health is going to play a role, but it, it just seems like Jamal Williams is going to have to work really hard to play himself back onto this team and get himself another contract, Mark. I'm, I'm sure. I know your take on running backs, but Williams specifically and your thoughts on him coming back. Um, I Well, again, if Aaron Jones comes back, then I doubt Williams comes back because I don't think he'd want to come back. If Jones is if, if they re-sign Jones like now or during the season, you know the best you're you're going to be is three because they didn't draft Dylan in the second round to be a third third string player. You don't do that. Um, so I think he would seize an opportunity somewhere else where he would get at least be a number two guy. If Jones leaves, then I think by all means you bring Williams back and it's Dylan and Williams are are your two guys. I like Jamal Williams. I like him for all the reasons that, that you pointed out, Jason. But also he's tough. He just I mean. Even his two-yard runs, it's like the toughest two yards I've ever seen. Like it's, it's a play where a lot of guys would have lost two yards, and he somehow gains two yards. You know, he's tough, and he is a good pass. He's pretty good at picking up the blitz, which in, in the Green Bay Packers offense, you don't want number 12 getting hit too much. And, you know, running backs have to do have to be able to, to pick up, you know, blitzing linebackers or safeties or whatever, who, who's ever coming. And Williams does a pretty good job at that. And you said he, he's only missed two games in his career? Yeah. And one of them came because of that cheap shot Derek Bar- Barnett at the Eagles. You know, hit, went helmet to helmet on him in like mm-hmm. the first first play of the game, knocked him out of the game. Which, by the way, I think the Packers win that game if Jamal Williams is on the field late in the game because he gets the ball when there's when it's first and goal to one instead of them passing the ball four times. That game could have been and should have been won by the Packers probably four or five different ways. Yep, but but they won a couple games that they probably should, like both Lions games they could easily lost so it all it all washes out it evened out Paul I know you've you've done a lot of work over Dairyland Express talking about the different like what if scenarios and I'm sure Williams has come up so your take on Jamal in 2021 and beyond um Mark took the words right out of my mouth I think if Aaron Jones is back Jamal's going to be elsewhere however if Jones goes elsewhere for a bigger contract than what he can get in Green Bay I think they bring Jones back because he provides that stability and you guys hit on it running the ball pass catching run blocking. I mean, he does everything really well. Now, I think they went out and got A.J. Dillon because he provides more of an explosive playmaking ability than what uh, Jamal Williams does, but there's obviously um, you know, a lot um, can't think of the word. There's obviously a lot of good that can come from having that stability as a running back two option. So I think early on I could see in this season that you know him and Dillon are splitting snaps, but like Mark said, they didn't spend a second round pick on A.J. Dillon for him to be RB3. Yeah, the idea of Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon in the backfield completely changes the complexion of of it for the Packers in terms of the offense, but that might be what they want. That might be more of the, the goal that the Matt LaFleur offense has, but, I mean, when you come into town and you're taking over a team and you have a talent like Aaron Jones, you find a way to use that skill set, even if it's not drawn perfectly into your offense, so... It, it may become a situation where the team approaches it kind of like how, Mark, I think you and I and Paul, maybe you know you are as well to an extent. Be careful what kind of money you pay to running backs because, Mark, we talked about the running back situation. And anytime you're paying a guy, look what happens. I mean, Melvin Gordon isn't in, isn't in Los Angeles with the Chargers anymore. Todd Gurley's on a prove-it deal in Atlanta <laughs> after getting a – a huge, huge contract. You know, you, you have some of the unicorns out there like Adrian Peterson who made a long career out of being a running back and got several contracts. Zeke Elliott seems to still be running well, but it just doesn't 
isn't a position that ages well. And surprisingly, as much as as it's not, it's not a big money maker anymore, you still have kids coming out of college that want to play running back in the NFL. I don't know if I was if I was a, 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 an athlete trying to play in college or moving to the to the NFL. I, running back to me seems like a, a short term proposition. If I'm looking to have a career, I'm I'm moving to wide receiver if I can. Yeah. <laughs> or or corner. Or move to the defensive side of the ball for sure. So this was good. These were this was uh, this was a fun one. We'll have to uh, we're gonna have a lot of work to follow up with a, a fun topic for next week. But before we before we before we sign off, uh, Mark, let us know what's going on over at Packer Report this week and what you're working on. Um, one, well, I'm still doing the, the Packer by the numbers, the best Packer to wear each number. Uh, the 40s are up on the site um, as we speak. Next week I'll be doing the the 50s. And there'll be some familiar names there for you. I can you can probably guess who fifty two is. Yep, I have and a good I'm also idea. doing a story. <laughs> Pretty good idea. And I'm, do, and I'm doing a story about um, can the defense be better than it was last year, and what has to happen for the defense to be better than it was last year. Awesome. And then Paul, the one man show over at Dairyland Express. <laughs> what, what can we look forward to this week? Uh, just continuing working through positions and taking a look, a closer look at individual players and then any sort of news, which I know there hasn't been a ton of, but fun articles as well that have come out. I know last week CBS Sports proposed a trade for the Packers, uh, trading for Kenny Stills. And then yesterday, you know, Jamal Jamal Adams, uh, star safety for the Jets, demanded the trade. So I was the wet blanket and wrote about why that's impossible and Packers fans shouldn't even consider that. Well, they weren't on the list, so it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> his, I guess it depends how much control he has. His wish list, yeah, his wish list of teams. But, uh, yeah, he seems like, you know, it's it's the annual – it's the annual Jamal Adams um, show. It just seems like that's been the case since he came into the league. So we'll have to see what's what the case is there. But, uh, gentlemen, I want to wish you guys an early happy Father's Day. And happy, happy Father's Day Thank to you. all the dads out there. Thank Everybody you. have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy it. Hopefully the weather's nice where you're at. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.